College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 34 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to you by our friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. These guys at S2 are awesome. Look up their assessments. It is killer stuff. I am joined by Aaron J. Fitt and Kendall J. Rogers, who survived Twitter today. Gentlemen, uh, opening weekend is behind us. How are we feeling? I'm a little gassed, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to have nightmares of Wu Pig Suey in my sleep. That's okay. <laughs> those are, those are, those Ar- are not nightmares. Those are pleasant uh, dreams, Raj. Yeah, man. I, I learned today that Arkansas fans do not like Tennessee very much. I thought you just I learned that, that today. No, I, I thought I knew that, but I didn't realize it was to this level. But we can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, Tennessee is very much like the they, they they there's a wrestling element there. There's a WWE element there that is makes it absolutely <laughs> awesome. Boys, let's jump right in and before we talk about like where we were, what we watched, that type of thing. The big story right now is Tennessee went one and two, and in our rankings we only dropped them a spot. And then you know I think for instance Oklahoma State went one and two, and you know I, I think a lot of the other teams just played you know kind of cupcakes. No offense. But Tennessee played a real schedule. They went on the road. Oklahoma State played a real schedule. They went on the road. We didn't punish Tennessee much. We'll talk about why. I've got feelings. I watched both their losses. I leave there just as convicted on Tennessee. Um, Oklahoma State, we, we, we did maybe punish a little bit more harshly. Um, yeah. Who wants to go first? I'm happy to talk about what I saw in Tennessee's losses. But, you, yeah, where, where do you guys I, want I will to start? Say, I, I will say this about Tennessee. I think the, the thing to, to realize about Tennessee is – I know opinions differ. I am one of those people, like, I do look at how teams lose games. And I think when you look at, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, for instance, people talk about, you know, you dropped them six spots. But let's not forget that Oklahoma State allowed 29 runs in two games, and a a vast majority of those runs were in the first, like, five innings of both games. So it's not one of the situations to where they threw me out there at the end of the game and Arkansas just went went crazy on me. You know, they they actually gave up those runs with some of their premier guys. So – at least their premier reliever. So that's one in Oklahoma State. I mean, Ar- the thing about Arkansas is they had a solid weekend. They went 2-1. Uh, the, the difference is I don't think Texas is very good. F- frankly, I think Texas is pretty bad right now. The other is TCU roughed them up. So to me, that kind of that kind of downs them a little bit. And, and I think Arkansas has some question marks. I mean, I, I really like Hunter Holland. You know, Aaron, Aaron had really good stuff on him from the fall, but I really, really liked him, uh, you know, up to 92 from the left side, really good stuff. Uh, I like Hagen Smith. Obviously, he was terrific. Uh, but really, other than that, other than those two guys and Brady Tiger, their pitching left a lot to be desired. So I didn't think they deserved to go up, and I thought Tennessee deserved to be over them. Then there's Tennessee, who, you know what, they did go down one spot. But but my question is this, like, with Tennessee, do, do you move a team like Ole Miss or do you move A&M up uh, or do you move Florida, who played Charleston Southern up? I know their starting pitching was phenomenal. But do you move those teams ahead of t- Tennessee, who went on the road, lost one one run game to a team that essentially brought their ace out to to throw the final you know couple innings in Grand Canyon, or or and they lost what was it two was it a two two run game against Arizona? So they mm-hmm. lost two really close games, and they didn't have Griffin Merritt, the reigning American Conference Player of the Year. They didn't have Maui Ahuna, who's a preseason All American. So honestly, like. 
to me, that's not a bad showing. I mean, you can tell me what you saw, but like that doesn't sound like a bad showing to me that, that warrants, you know, after one week, those other teams that played a bunch of patsies moving ahead of them. Yeah, I'll go Fitzy. So, you know, like, first of all, Arizona is or was a regional team last year. And you're if you're Tennessee, you're playing them in Arizona. Arizona had a nice crowd. By the way, the Tennessee fan base is awesome. They travel great. Tennessee had a ton of fans in Arizona. You, really? you know, you mentioned, Kendall, you're missing Maliahuna. You're missing the Merritt kid. You're missing Frank Anderson for the game against Arizona. And, you know, this is one of the best pitching coaches in the country. Um, TJ Nichols from Arizona was excellent. Arizona is was a regional team last year. I think they're a regional team again. Um, and it was a very close game. And, and so I think there's, you know, there's the other thing about Tennessee guys is, man, their pitching is every bit as good as we thought it was. Doe Lander was phenomenal. Uh, Drew Beam was phenomenal. Chase Burns, you know, my concern on Chase Burns is he's still a two-pitch guy. But it's two plus pitches, and you know Tennessee that you've got those three. I didn't see what Beam's velocity was. You know Andrew Lindsay touched ninety eight with two sinkers coming out of the bullpen. Seth Halverson touched ninety six or ninety seven coming out of the bullpen. So you know Tennessee. My concern for Tennessee is Charlie Taylor behind the plate still looks unsettled. He he does not look confident and and like we're not seeing the best version of him yet. You know, Mali Ahuna is one of the best players in the country. You need to get him in there. And, and, the, and you, you alluded to it, Kendall. Grand Canyon threw three projected starters in the game <laughs> against Tennessee. You know, they couldn't throw Dan, Danny Avedia, um, who's the best, the most talented arm in the whack. He was on a lower pitch count because of an ankle injury. So they used him in relief conveniently. And that was really smart. The atmosphere at Grand Canyon was nuts. It was awesome. And still, Grand Canyon almost played a perfect game to beat Tennessee. So I, I don't know. I, I am, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see where we go with the Tennessee position player group. But that still is a top five team in the country, no doubt about it. That pitching staff for Tennessee, the truth is, guys, it's better than I thought it was. That, yeah. That's that's fascinating to hear. And I will say this. Um, ultimately, big picture here. Totally agree with you guys. Uh, I am not at all you know, shaken in my conviction in Tennessee after this weekend. Uh, it's the best pitching staff in the country. It has a chance to be a historically great pitching staff. Um, and the fact that they went one and two. I mean, ultimately, we talk a lot about winning your weekends. Um, I was a little uncomfortable with the way that the poll dynamics worked this week, I mean, I, I agree. Hey, some of the, the criticisms were right. Like it felt, okay, I get it. Like it feels arbitrary that Oklahoma State loses the two top 25 teams and we hit them, what, five or six spots. Yeah. There's Tennessee loses the two unranked teams and they lose, they fall one spot. I get it. I get the criticism. And like, I, I hate early season rankings. Like, mm, you know, like so it's just like this, it's, there's not enough data yet. We don't have, you know, we're still getting fuels for all the teams. Um, yeah. We're trying not to overreact, and fans always overreact. I mean, hey, fans, mm -hmm. we love you. You guys, you're the best. You pay the bills. You know, you're you're salt of the earth. All you, but you guys always overreact. <laughs> all right, yeah. February overreaction is a tradition, like unlike any other. Uh, we try not to do that, but still, it's a little it's a little tricky to figure it out. How how are you going to do this? Like, already team goes one and two, you know, on the road, a couple of close losses. We still believe in the team. Ultimately, we didn't hit them that hard. It's that simple. Yep. Runes, I had a couple of questions for you. N number one, just on Chase Burns. Did, did you see anything maybe different at all about him from last year? Like, is there something you kind of added to his arsenal? And number two, I don't know about you, man, but, like, I thought that, like, from a social media and Twitter standpoint, kind of like how Ben Joyce, like, I, like, last year become, like, a Twitter sensation. Like, I thought, like, Jacob Wilson in that game against Tennessee 
he became like a Twitter sensation. Like literally everyone was tweeting about like, oh, look, you know, look how good Jacob Wilson is. All these prospect writers. There were even a couple of MLB writers who were tweeting about how good he looked in that game. I thought that was kind of like we we know Jacob Wilson, but I thought that was kind of his breakout party in terms of like the nation, like knowing who he is. Yeah, I'll go in reverse order. Jacob Wilson was brilliant in that game. I think if Tennessee could redo it, they probably would have not let him participate as much. You know, early in the game, he had an 0-2 count against Burns, and Burns threw a slider that he, you know, Jacob Wilson did a great job to fight his way through the at-bat and laced an extra base hit down the right field line. It was just a brilliant at-bat. Jacob Wilson also had an incredible 6-3 unassisted double play. Um, he's just a great player. You know, Andrew Lindsay came in and threw two first two pitches he threw to Wilson were these just hellacious 98 mile an hour sinkers. And Jacob Wilson looked shaken. And the third pitch, he flipped a slider in there at like 87 miles an hour. And Jacob Wilson, of course, hit a single up the middle. And I think if if Tennessee could redo that, they would have thrown another of those, you know, power sinkers because um, they kind of helped Wilson out. But again, Wilson, he's a great player. You know, like he just he catches everything. He gives you great at bats. And and Grand Canyon needed him in this game because they were a little overwhelmed. Tennessee is overwhelming. You know, to answer the second part of your question, Kendall, Chase Burns, if I was nitpicking, he kind of seems like exactly the same guy. You know, just this very physical, athletic you know, touch 98 with this incredible slider. He might have thrown one or two or three change-ups. It was a non-factor. He doesn't have – he's a strike thrower, but he's not spotting up. But you know what Chase Burns is? He he just – he doesn't get rattled. You know, he just he just competes and, you know, he just collects outs. And, um, you know, he's, he's just like he was last year, incredibly talented and really, really good. Where do we want to go here, Ruins? You're the director. Yeah, so I would say, guys, the um, you know, you kind of talked about Oklahoma State, Kendall. You know, it's just the way they lost those games. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll take the 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 ball here for a second. So Tennessee, I loved. Grand Canyon w- had a very good weekend. Hey, I thought the West Coast had a very good weekend. Wow. I saw I saw ASU play today or uh, over the weekend. They were good, guys. ASU, those transfers. I don't know if it'll last the whole season. But ASU looked noticeably different. They swept San Diego State. They looked really good. Oregon State is interesting. Their bullpen is deeper than I even anticipated, even with Ben Ferrer out with Mono. They've got a freshman, Nelson Keljo, lefty up to 94. They've got another freshman, low-slot joker, A.J. Hutchinson, who's from Elk Grove High School, of course, who was really, really good. Um, They're, you know – Bazana looks a little bit better. Garrett Forster's still great. I think Oregon State is is I don't know that they're better at Stanford than UC or UCLA, but they do. They look very much like a regional team again. Um, Arizona was excellent. Tony Bullard was great. I'll tell you the two other teams, and then I'll turn to you guys. UCSB is young, and that means the Big West is going to be wide open. But fellas, the way UCSB is recruiting. Every kid is six foot three. Every kid is athletic and strong. You know, their arms are US UCSB is recruiting on a different level than the other Big West programs. They're just younger. They were very impressive, even though they were two and two. And then New Mexico was very interesting. Every kid was like a fourth or fifth. Eight of their nine starters were a senior or a fifth year player, or it was like Texas State West. Hmm. Um, they were they were very they were so much better than they were last year. 
And, and I agree with you on, on the West having a good weekend too. I mean, how about how about Cal Baptist going to Oklahoma? Mm. Um, that was something that caught my eye. Did you know? And we like we've talked about the Lancers and how it's it's a yeah. it's a program that really instantly competed as soon as they made the transition to Division One and um, one of the better programs in that that league. But uh, I still wasn't. I can't say I expected them to go to to Norman and, and take two out of three. Um, that was, that was pretty loud for me. And, you know, there were, there were a number of things out West that, I mean, there were, there were some weird results too. Washington didn't have a good weekend. I know mm. that Kendall really liked, but, um, yeah. but you know, it, it was, it was overall, I think a very encouraging weekend for the West. Yeah. I mean, you look at the big West, that's a conference that we've talked so much about. I mean, you know, Cal Poly takes a series in Missouri state, Long Beach state takes a series from Wichita state. Uh, Hawaii takes a series from Wright state, like three out of mm-hmm. four gets Wright's really impressive. Uh, and then you look at UC Irvine, they swept Tulane. San Diego swept, uh, you know, Nebraska today in a four-game series. So, yeah, it's all in all, a great weekend for the West. How about Long Beach State? Graham Osmond, who's really talented arm. I mean, this is up to 93 from the left side with a wicked slider. But, boy, he has struggled with strike throwing. You know, he he re- like he had, a, he had kind of a bottomed out year last year at Arizona State. He's now the Friday night guy at Long Beach State and dominant. I think he was Big West Pitcher of the Week, which is good for him. Um, yeah, the Big West. Hey, I mean, I think it was the most famous series of the weekend, probably. Fullerton. I mean, oh. what? yeah, the, the Donnie Brook they had with Stanford. That was yeah, really yeah. impressive. Yeah, I mean, Brady Montgomery hit a hit a bases loaded triple. Was it triple or double? I was, dri- I was listening to it while I was driving, but uh, he had a bases loaded triple with two outs to to tie that game. So yeah, I mean they and that was in the top of the ninth inning. So Fullerton was an out away from winning that series. That that would have been a, a monumental series win for those guys. But still, I mean that's a big step forward for Fullerton to actually yeah. like be in contention in that series, like twenty one yeah. to thirteen finale. That was not indicative of just how close that that series was. I mean, that was impressive. Scored- and even in that game, you know, to score 13 runs. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, that's a foolish offense in recent years has been problematic and it seems like it's much better now. And I can and I, and I'll say this myself. Too. Oh, oh, go ahead, you, you go, you go, Kendall, you go first. Well, no, I was going to say just for college baseball in general, like it, it would be a really good thing if the big West was a good conference this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the big West cares so much about baseball at the top that like, there's no reason why that conference should ever be 20th in the conference RPI like they were last year. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, Kendall, is we, I've kind of mentally resigned myself to that league being a one bid league. And I love the fact that this weekend is forcing me to reconfigure that thinking. Um, again, UCSB went two and two this weekend. Man, like they are so physical. It is it was jarring how physical they were. You know, I saw multiple kids for UCSB touch 94 miles an hour. They've got the sophomore transfer from Arizona State. Ivan Bredauer. This kid is six foot six, 240 pounds, and he's athletic enough to play the outfield. He was drilling balls all weekend. I mean, it, it was the, the Big West yeah. has done a very nice job being <clears throat> scrappy and recruiting, and they've, you know, I, yeah, very, very impressive weekend for them. One more little note, too, about the Big West. Remember last year after like two weeks, the Big West was something like 13 and like 42 in non conference? They're 23 and 15 after week one. That, that is a massive improvement. About nope. that, love it, love it. You know, like you guys, I, I think we all agree that one of the great, unique things about college baseball is that a league like the Big West can have the kind of rich tradition that it has. You know, you, you don't see that in football or even, you know, even basketball. There's 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 like a handful of programs that have had, but like this is like a mid major league that's like been in the Final Four a whole bunch of times, right? Like baseball, I mean, the Big West, uh, it's 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 you know, 
you can argue it has a richer heritage. I think you argue pretty successfully has a richer heritage than even the ACC, certainly yeah. than the big, certainly the Big Ten. Um, and and you know, and it you factor in the budgets that they're dealing with. It's it, it is good for the for the game to have the Big West strong. It it, it just it's just such a big part of the fabric of our sport. And I think we all hope that hope that they can get it going. And so this was a good start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just to put a bow on that, Fitzy, like I think about Santa Barbara going to Omaha and Irvine going to Omaha a couple times. And then, you know, the the prominent big leaguers. I mean, Long Beach State has big leaguers like Jason Giambi, Jared Weaver, Troy Tulowitzki, Evan Longoria. I mean, that's an A list of big leaguers. And then, you know, I've told you guys this story many times, but it's one of the, you know, uh, our good friend Rick Vanderhoek has reprimanded me many times in my life. But my favorite one is when I said that, Cal State Fullerton is like Boise State football. Cal State Fullerton baseball is like Butler basketball back in the day. And 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 Hookie, you know, kind of jacks me up and says, hey, tell me how many national titles those programs have again. And, you know, of course, the answer is zero. And oh, Fullerton's got four national titles in baseball. But, you know, it's it, it, I, I love it. Right. Because he's right. And and um, here, here's the other thing that 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 thought leads me to, boys. We, we all get very sensitive about, hey, is the SEC going to suffocate the rest of college baseball? All the transfers are going there, you know, like all that type of stuff. Think about how many upsets we had this weekend. You know, yeah. Indiana wins a game in Auburn. VMI with that comeback against Mississippi State. I mean, it, you still can only put nine players on the field. And it's still baseball. So that part was very encouraging to me. Not that we're here for the upsets only, but – you know, no matter how good a league or a team gets, they're never going to be invincible. And that was absolutely on display this weekend. Yeah, speaking of, of the West Coast, I'm going to do a really nice segue here. Uh, how about, uh, speaking of the West Coast, how about TJ Bruce at TCU? Speaking of, uh, you know, the Gold Block mm-hmm. Tournament, the college baseball showdown, you know, it was kind of interesting in the offseason. You know, TCU loses Bill Bowes Yellow. We're all kind of wondering, like, man, how's TCU going to replace a guy like that? You know, they go out and hire TJ Bruce, who's the head coach in Nevada. And what a really nice job that he's done with that offense uh, since he got there. I mean, you talk about TCU's offense. They scored, uh, what was it, 20 or – no, they scored 36 runs in three games, two of those games against top ten teams uh, out of the Southeastern Conference. Uh, TCU's offense, guys, was explosive over the weekend. You know, obviously, we've talked so much about Braden Taylor, but, you know, David Bishop was a real physical freshman last year. Uh, he's taken a step forward. You look at Elijah Nunez. I absolutely love that guy at the top of the lineup, fellas. Uh, I mean, he's he's like the like the consummate fire starter. Like he he's got speed, he's got emotion. Uh, he he always finds a way to get on base. He always finds the hole. Like he's kind of their table setter. Uh, and then you, you know you look at guys like Luke Boyer's uh, TCU's offense to me looked really really good over the weekend. What yeah, how about what, Coach Bruce? What you think about their pitching? Because I think we all expected them to be a really good yeah. offensive team, and we just I think that was the question mark was how's how's the pitching gonna gonna develop that's still a question mark i mean you know obviously they're in pretty good shape on on fridays but i mean if you look at the rest of the weekend you know cam brown guys is one of the is one of those big power arms that for the last couple of years were kind of like wait for him to take that step forward wait for him to take that step forward and it was kind of the same old cam cam brown it was like 95 97 but he got hit hard the command wasn't great does sam stoutenborough the uh the you know the cal transfer pitched yesterday and just pitched okay so they're going to have to hit because I just don't think from a starting pitching standpoint outside of Friday night, I don't think they're in great shape right there. It is one weekend. We'll see how guys kind of transition, but they really, and Sarlu said this in the fall, like Cam Brown is their X factor. Like if they're going to get to Omaha, 
they need a guy like Cam Brown stepping up. But, you know, from a bullpen standpoint, I still like their pieces. I think when you look at the back end of the bullpen, you've got, you know, Luke Savage, Cole Klecker, uh, and Bennett Belt, two, two talented freshmen through well over the weekend. Uh, and then you look at the, the back end with a guy like Garrett Wright. I feel really good about the bullpen. But, again, in college baseball, if you're starting rotations iffy, that's not good news. But they're going to hit. They're definitely going to hit. Mm. Another favorite thing from opening weekend for me, boys, is when you see a true freshman hitting third in a college baseball lineup, that always is super loud to me. And I saw Oregon State this tw- twice this weekend. Gavin Turley hit third. I've been a little skeptical of Gavin Turley, I think mostly because his brother, who I think is ex- extremely talented, his brother Noah at Oklahoma State, just has had so many issues with swing and miss. It was hard for me to separate that. Gavin Turley is going to swing and miss, but he's, boy, he's a dynamic athlete. I mean, you saw him in the fall, Fitzy. I mean, it is explosive and twitchy. Whew. And they they hit they hit him third, and he he looked <laughs> he looked very comfortable hitting third. He's a confident kid. Super and then how about fly. yeah, how about Ike Irish um, hitting third for Auburn? I mean, you know, hitting third as a true freshman in an SEC lineup that was really impressive too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Another guy that I really was was all in on in the fall, but I still like if you'd have told me that he's going to hit third for Auburn on day one. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty loud. There's, yeah, there's some, there's some very talented guys in this class. Uh, Kendall, go ahead. No, I was going to say Jace Lava left for A&M with two home runs in a game over the weekend, but Hey, nobody had a weekend like Chase Moore at Texas state. The dude had three at bats all weekend. All three at bats runs and, and fit were home runs. How about, How about that? that? How about that? Go Bob. <laughs> pretty good. It's a pretty good Woba. I think <laughs> that is good. Woba, um, right. There. Uh, I saw a really good freshman yesterday. I went down to Wilmington to see uh, UVA take on UNCW and got a look at Jack O'Connor, the, the blue chip freshman right-hander who I think is a really, really, really important piece for that team because, yeah. you know, with the arms that they lost and we knew that it's going to be a really offensive team and, and a really good defensive team. Um, and certainly what I saw, it's just a one game look, but also combined with what they did the other two games of the weekend reinforced my belief that it's an elite offense and, an elite defense, really. I mean, um, you know, it's very athletic. They, they make a lot of plus plays in addition to the routine plays, too. Uh, and, and so I just wanted to see, the, you know, can, can O'Connor be that that guy, that kind of blue chip guy um, that, that they need on that staff? And maybe it's not, you know, immediately. Maybe you don't usually put a freshman as your Friday night starter in February. Like that doesn't usually – maybe he'll become that in a month or two, but uh, usually you start him off as what, Sunday or Tuesday. Um, but he sure looked like a guy who's going to be a surefire Friday night starter, and I think pretty quickly because it was real stuff, and it's just a really – you know, he's six foot five, 235 as a freshman. He, he's athletic. He's physical. He repeats his delivery. It's easy and clean. It's like a, you know, 90-94 play and catch – and there's more in the tank, and it's you know fuel for four pitches. He can sink it. He can, you know, he can. He's got a good cutter. He's got a real breaking ball, and a changeup. I mean, it's the whole package. I just think that this guy is the next big star for UVA in the mound. So that was encouraging for me to see. How about how about uh, Nick the Big Kurtz from Wake Forest? Did he have Oof. two or three home runs this weekend? Four runes. Four home runs. Yeah, that's he. He that that kid. We were already excited about him in the preseason, but. I feel like every day that goes by, I'm more in on Nick Kurtz. And and seven walks as well this weekend. Wow. Uh, it's one of the things we love about Kurtz is, is the way he controls the strike zone in addition to his power. But Patrick Ebert was there, wrote about him, I think, on Friday uh, on our site. 
and just, you know, the fact that he was sidelined because he had the, the shoulder surgery uh, after kind of playing through it all last year. He had that right after the season ended and he's, it kept him out for all fall. He was just kind of champing at the bit to get back out there. And um, you wondered if there was going to be some rust and there was not. It was it was just <laughs> it's just a real tour de force performance. And in fact, he is our uh, national player of the week this week. Thank, thank you to uh, our friends at Rapsodo for sponsoring that. Love yeah, it. it's kind of funny. I was talking to uh, Matt Hobbs, a former Wake Forest pitching coach, about Rhett Lauder's uh, changeup between games over the weekend. Because uh, I think the pitching ninja had like a video of like a video sync up of his fastball changeup combo, and like that changeup is just ridiculous. Yeah, like it, well, it is insane. You know, and it's it's interesting because I mean the thing that makes Lauder so special is is you know it, it's really in my opinion it's the secondary stuff and it's the field of pitch. I mean it's, it's I think it's a, a plus certainly a plus changeup um maybe a plus slider too the fastball like it's got plenty of velocity but for me it maybe plays a little light but he's just so good with mixing in those two really good secondary pitches that it makes up for so great weekend for the deeks by the way even without teddy mcgraw mm-hmm. uh, they go four and oh a couple of really dominating wins against uh, i think an illinois team that we thought was going to be okay this year uh you know we, we had them as a regional contender heading into the season um, and Wake seemed like they played very well in all phases. So, uh, uh, you know, nice to see a, a, a top 10 ranked team that, you know, didn't maybe have the pedigree of some of the other teams in our top 10 coming out strong. How about some injuries this weekend? Tommy White has got a shoulder that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Jacob Wilson actually came out of the first game, but he played obviously awesome on Saturday against Tennessee. Kind of just like, look like he knocked the wind out of himself, chasing a foul uh, pop up into the stands. Teddy McGraw did not pitch. There, there were still more to learn there. Ben Ferrer of Oregon State, their All-American reliever, had has mono, so he'll be out for a while. Any other ones that we're missing, Kendall, besides like the preseason ones? Uh, I don't think so. J- Jansen Kiesel will pitch Tuesday for Oklahoma State, so that's really good news for the Pokes. Oh, that's good news. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and if, Gerard- he, and if he can move in that rotation too, like I, I think I feel better about Oklahoma State if he's healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think my opinion on them changes a little bit. It's a big arm, man. It is. Yeah, for he, sure. he didn't, you know, he didn't dominate last year, even though the stuff is, is incredible, but um, yeah, it's it, boy, all the raw materials are there. We, we should probably touch on Oklahoma state just as a team that we did. We kind of hammered in the rankings. I mean, you know, there's yeah. only five or six spots. We didn't totally crush them, but uh, we, we got a little bit of feedback on that pushback on that in, in our chat today. Kendall, you saw them. They sound like you, you know, like their offense a lot, but do have some concerns about the pitching. Yeah, I mean, just outside of Watts Brown, I didn't think their pitching was that great. I mean, Baden Root struggled. I don't think he's a guy that's going to stick in their weekend rotation. You know, th- there were some pieces in the back of the bullpen I did like. Uh, Drew Blake is kind of our promising lefty. I mean, he was up to 94, 95, pretty good overall stuff. So I liked him. Uh, you know, that that's just their question mark. Offensively, I think when you look at this team overall, I really like the the young – well, I say young freshman. The dude looks like he's like 24 years old. But Bo, Bo Sylvester is a really nice-looking player. Obviously, Rock was really good over the weekend. Uh, you know, Nolan McClain. The thing about Nolan McClain, guys, that was really impressive over the weekend is he drew several walks. Like, he was a guy last year who was kind of one of the – you know, went up there hacking a little bit, you know, a lot of strikeouts. But he went up there and took some really close, some really tough pitches – and that's something that stood out to me because he did not do that a lot last year. And that's a game changer for that offense and for Nolan if he's able to kind of lay off some of that junk because he's going to get a lot of that this year. And so that that was really impressive to me. But uh, overall, again, you know, Marcus Brown was impressive over the weekend. Zach Earhart was a, just a – thing about Oklahoma State that stands out to me, they're just a really 
good-looking physical team. And at the end of the day, if they can pitch, I think they're absolutely a championship contender. Uh, Kendall, I'll comment and then a follow-up question. So I, I, I'm, I'm a little hurt that you didn't mention this, but, I mean, Nolan McLean is, you know, in the – the infamous fabulous rune dogs player development system now so of course <laughs> we're going to manage the strike zone better i mean that's just a that's just the way yeah. it works around here hey brennan brennan phillips you know hey let, let's let, let me just put context around this kumar rocker got railed in his first start as a college yeah. pitcher right like yeah. he got run off the field so i don't want to like hit the fire alarm on brennan phillips but hey it is always you know, gets your attention when a program of, of Oklahoma State's caliber has a true freshman in the weekend rotation. Was that just freshman blues, or did you feel like, hey, maybe that's not going to be his role ultimately? Uh, freshman blues, just just yeah. one of those days. That that really is what their weekend felt like from a pitching standpoint. It was just like the, nothing was really in sync. The bull, the bullpen is the part where I'm kind of like I have some some legitimate concerns. But in terms of the starters, the stuff was really good. It's just – you know, I mean, you're you're a young player on that stage. You're you're you know, there there are times you're going to struggle. Uh, speaking of speaking of freshmen that I saw there that did not care about the stage they were on, uh, Jonathan Vestein and uh, and R.J. Austin, both those talented Vandy freshmen were so good. I mean, R.J. Austin just a just a real physical frame guy. You know, ran really well, played really good defense. I loved his personality out there, Vestein. Look like a seasoned veteran at the plate. Uh, I mean, those two guys are going to be really, really good. It's kind of funny. I was talking to, you know, Troy Tulowitzki about R.J. Austin because he saw Vanderbilt uh, in the fall, and he was like, "Hey, keep an eye before the weekend." He's like, "Hey, watch this kid. Just like you, watch this kid. He's he's, he's going to be a superstar." And like, he's just one of those guys. That, like, as soon as he steps in the box, you're like, "Oh, that like this dude just looks like he's got it." And uh, and he was just a really good player. I I think the biggest thing for me when I look at Vanderbilt is the number of options they have on the mound. Uh, you know, I, you know, we talked so much about Carter Holton, uh, but I thought, you know, after the, you know, after the first game, Andrew Dukanich, uh, the freshman, uh, he was impressive. He, you know, his numbers weren't great. He walked a few guys, but again, 94, 95, good body. Uh, he's going to be a superstar. Bryce Cunningham had just absolute smoke out of the, out of the bullpen, was up to 96, 97. Uh, and, like, they didn't even throw Patrick Riley. They played all these teams, did not throw Patrick Riley. He's actually going to start for them on Tuesday. I asked uh, Brownie about him after the game. So I was like, like where was, was Riley? And so they're pitching him on Tuesday. I'll tell you what, when you when you have a pitching staff with that much velo and that much stuff and you can pitch a guy like Patrick Riley on a Tuesday, that tells me your pitching staff's pretty damn good. Yep. Hey, by the way, Vastine is a sophomore. He just—he only got fifty at bats last year. It's weird. Oh, I thought like, he was a freshman. My bad. Yeah, I don't. He wasn't healthy much this fall. I didn't get to see him when I saw him in the fall. But boy, he has been. I mean, ever since January, it feels like every report out of out of Nashville was about mm. that kid. Very impressive. Yeah, he was really. The thing I liked about Vandy too is they didn't play very well on opening day at all. They honestly looked pretty bad. And they looked very, very good the last two days. So, uh, you know, even though it's one weekend, right, you don't want to take too much from it. But I, I love the response, kind of the way, I, the, the way I loved Arkansas's response after getting lit up by TCU to come out and beat Oklahoma State 18-1. to That was really impressive. Uh, and so, you know, Arkansas's offense, by the way, uh, I, I do have, strangely enough, even after 18 runs, I do have some question marks. I, I thought – Tavian Joseberger, the top of the lineup. I think Aaron liked him in the fall. He's just a really good athletic player. Uh, you know, made very hard contact. Jared Wagner, uh, the Creighton transfer, was, was outstanding throughout the weekend. But I, at the end of the day, 
and this is a, actually a really good roundtable discussion, but at the end of the day, I think the X factor for Arkansas is they've got to get Peyton Stovall to be consistent. I think for this offense in SEC play to do what they need to do to be one of the top three or four teams, he's going to have a big year. And he had, I think, two – 215, 220 over the weekend. There were some at-bats. He looked good. There were some at-bats. He looked totally lost. And, you know, David Seifer and I were kind of having this discussion. He kind of thought that he had a little bit too much, too much like low time on his swing. And so, uh, again, he, he's going to have to have a big year for them, uh, for, the, for those guys to meet their expectations. I'm standing by. I'm standing by that one. I, I That's a guy yeah. I do believe in, uh, slow start or not, three games, you know. Uh, but that's interesting to hear that there was some – that, that Seif was wondering about the, the the swing mechanics. I mean, he can hit. I mean, that that's why yeah. this guy turned you know turned down seven figures out of high school because he can he can hit and he will hit. He's going to hit this year. And it, you're right. It's it's certainly important that he does. <laughs> if he doesn't, yeah, that's not it's not a good thing for Arkansas. But he but he will. Hey boys, let's transition and we'll end on this thought. So you know, it's our first weekend seeing the pitch timer stuff and the action rules that type of thing. Um, yeah, let, let's. Let's uh, let's talk through that. Kendall, you saw a bunch of it. It sounds like you saw you had the most controversial look at it. Um, tell me, tell me, yeah, tell us what you're what you're what you observed. What's really interesting is everything I'm hearing from coaches and umpires, by the way, is that neither party likes it. Yeah. Um, that's that that's number one thing. Number two is if the if umps call these action rules the way they did in Arlington the rest of the season in the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, et cetera. It is going to take a lot of adjustments because, you know, I think they I think they rung up three guys to, over the weekend on strike three calls for not being in the box. Two guys over the weekend walked because the pitcher ran out of time. And I mean, I I want to say five or six times they called a ball or a strike on somebody for not being in the box or not being ready on the mound. So, I mean, that's what 15, 14 to 15 instances of them actually enforcing that rule over the weekend. So it is going to take an adjustment. You know, Dylan Campbell from Texas on, on Friday, they thought he got in the box too late, and all of a sudden the dude gets struck out in a big – you know, they, they call a strikeout in a big situation. Nolan McClain got got rung up over the weekend because he didn't get in the box in time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I felt like it actually did trim time off games. If you look across the country, I think somebody said, like, LSU's average game time over the weekend was like 220. What's really interesting is I had Luke Smalls, uh, from uh, 643 charts look this up and of all the games they were able to find game times for the the time differential from last year to this year was 15 minutes shorter mm-hmm. that's not a lot of time but like, yeah. that's the cumulative amount not the average amount well you're saying I, I, the, the average game was 15 minutes shorter that's what he said i mean that is that's pretty he thought it would be longer hmm. more significant you mean yeah like it would be a bigger bigger difference yeah. Yeah. Like you thought it would save 25, 30 minutes minimum. I think yeah. 15 minutes is pretty significant. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff that we've been trying to do, it feels like it's been incremental progress, like three minutes, five minutes here and there. And like if, 50, if it's in fact 15 minutes shorter holds up, I think it's a lot. Am I crazy? Yeah. I mean, that's something. It, 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 let me ask you this, Fitzy. After one weekend, do you feel more amenable to it, less amenable, or jury's still out for you? I, I didn't see it in any of my games. It was not, yeah, okay. not, a, not really? a factor. Did yeah. you see the ump doing anything? Like, for instance, at, at Globe Life, anytime they went up, like when a batter stepped in the box, the ump, or when the pitcher got on the rubber, the ump would signal back like this to the clock operator. Did you see that? Did you all see that at all with your umps? 
No. No. So that's you know, the, 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 I had two weird yeah. scenarios, guys, that were – so Christian Moore from – so RJ Nichols got his signs mixed up on the mound. And so he he was winding down to like five seconds. And Christian yeah. Moore is a guy that kind of was doing a good job staying in the box. So we're, we're down at like five, four. And, and at like eight and seven, Christian Moore had been in the box for a long time. 12 seconds is forever in that, you know, if you're not used to it. And he kept asking for time. It was all over Twitter. And the umpire wouldn't give it to him. So, that you know, that was a weird thing that I've not seen before where you have a hitter that wants time because he's been in the box a long time. That hitters are going to have to be aware of that, that you're probably not going to get time. Um, it was also jarring to see RJ or uh, TJ Nichols, I'm sorry, TJ Nichols get crossed up on a sign and feel like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Right? Like, I don't have time to sort through that. Um, and there was yeah. kind of a little bit of a, a moment of panic. I will say that I'm more worried about the hitters than the pitchers because. The, most of the pitchers I saw this weekend had those wristbands on where the signs can get in super fast. The teams that are doing it old school, I'm worried about them because, you know, it's two sets of signs. I don't know. I, I guess my summary judgment on this is I didn't mind it, honestly. And I, I kind of came in hating it. I didn't it. either. Yeah. But here's where I'm nervous about it. What about the postseason when people are really nervous and there's more on the line and we're in the eighth inning of a regional final or game three yeah. of a super regional. Like that mm. makes me very anxious. The players and yeah. the coaches are going to have to be really acclimated to it at that point. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's going to be heartbreaking. Or, they, one of those, or yeah. they just get lenient. There, there were a couple of times over the weekend too, where the clock had clearly hit zero and the umps hadn't called it yet. Like the yeah. other team's dugout was like yelling that it's at zero. So it's going to require – I mean, the thing about – for the umpires is like, man, that's so much stuff they have to keep track of. Yep. Like you got the home plate umpire over here signaling their clock operator when he gets down in, in his in his position to, to watch a pitch. But it's a lot of stuff to, to worry about. Yep. It, yeah, it's 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 hard on coaches and players and umpires, but it, you know, again, I think we all we all want increased pace of play, and you know, I had a ten run rule game today, and that was kind of awesome, honestly. You know, the game had been over for an hour, and um, Oregon State scored a run in the eighth to make it a yeah. ten run rule, and it was it was actually kind of cool. If we really want to, you know, improve pace of play, maybe we should juice the balls. Just a thought. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of, yeah, speaking of the six four three guys, I reached out to them last night to ask them home runs this year versus last year, because some birdies had told me that they felt like the ball might be even a little bit more heated than it was last year. Uh, Eight hundred and fifty two home runs opening weekend in two thousand twenty three, uh, seven hundred and nineteen last year, guys. That's a that's a significant increase. I think it was. Well, I have the number right here. It's last year was one point six one home runs per game opening weekend. This year, 1.89. That is a significant difference. Yep. Interesting. Very interesting. I wish I wish bullpen arms threw more strikes, but they're, that's why they're in the bullpen. How many home runs will Nick command. Kurtz hit with his ball? That's the question. 31. <laughs> Let's go. The big Kurtz. I like it. The big Kurtz. Can we bring, Tor- can we bring Torkelson back? Oh, gosh. Give him a full can, season. Can bring back Chris Bryant. Give him a, a real yeah, bat. No oh. oh, man. He, yeah, he hit the 30 with the freaking dead ball. Yes. Nuts. Nice. Boys, hey, let's let's uh, let's wrap it here. So coming up. So first of all, uh, again, I'm going to say it again. The website is ablaze with great stuff, especially after opening weekend. So many great pieces on there. How anybody could live without the daily recap that we have on our website. That is like more important to me the next day than breakfast. 
it is so awesome to be able to get into our website and read, you know, uh, Shotgun did it one night, Pebert, Patrick Ebert did it one night. It was so great to be able to kind of get yourself caught up on everything that happened. So again, just type in save 23, save 23 at checkout, you'll get 20% off. And also on the website, want to encourage everyone, hey, first time ever, D1 Baseball, we are streaming the Carbach Red Rock, Round Rock, not Red Rock, <laughs> Round Rock Classic. Red Rock That'd is in Las Vegas. That'd be a good Vegas. place to have a, a great very venue. nice too. Yeah. Great venue. Yeah, I, heard the, the I hear the SEC tournament might move there is what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> to Red Rock. <laughs> Red Rock. Red Rock Ooh, to Coors, Sedona, Coors Arizona. Coors would be a great location for the SEC tournament. Yes, thank Speaking you for that. Speaking of juice balls. Oh, that'd be so great. So anyway, if you go onto our website, uh, you'll see down the right-hand column, you'll see the, the, the kind of streamer there. Stream the Carbach Round Rock Classic. You got Kansas State, Sam Houston, LSU, Iowa. Our whole crew will be there. Um, we are super excited for this. So, uh, uh, Kendall, you're going to be there, correct? I, I will be there, yeah. I'll be there for the first couple of days. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking forward to more, Paul Skeens on Friday or Brody Breck against uh, LSU's lineup. Yeah, the Iowa rotation Probably Paul Skeens. I was just talking to uh, the Nerd Master General, and he said that – because he's writing a feature, speaking of, for SEC Extra later this week on Paul Skeens. And uh, he said that Paul Skeens' outing uh, over the weekend that he saw was probably the best outing he's ever seen, like first outing he's ever seen from a pitcher. Yeah, the video was super impressive. You yes. know, like – he, he, I felt like he had been advertised as kind of like just a big arm that's not very pitchable. And I watched the video clips from the other day, and those look like Skeens look like well, a big leaguer. Is what he well, like. and the, th- yeah. the thing that I found interesting, even in for TBSA last summer, is, is I thought he had pitchability. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought the stuff was good, but it was not the stuff that it is now. Like, he, you know, he was, he was last summer, you know, he threw strikes, but it was, I, we didn't see any 99s or like, you know, this ridiculous. He's yeah. taken a big jump even since the summer he's always been able to actually pitch more than you 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 realize uh mm-hmm. but he's really i mean he's the whole package guys <laughs> this guy this guy might be might be the real deal yeah and and by the way he's working with a big league pitching coach yeah yeah hey, you know between guy. him between him and Brody breck i was talking to rick heller today and he said that, that breck averaged 98.9 over the weekend with his fastball love that division one that? football athlete love that about that mm beautiful boys well done good first weekend look at us getting out of the gates fast um we'll try to put this something together on thursday night the, the preview that was really fun last week um again everybody have a great week and uh, that's it from here we'll catch you next time on the d1 baseball podcast